Hey, what's up? It's Kat Jones, your host. Today is January 29th, 2020. This is an executive order for you to listen to Queer All Year. Hey, what's up? This is Kat Jones, like I said, and you are listening and therefore you are following my executive order. This is January 29th. Did I say 28th? Nope, we rolled the tape back. I said 29th because I'm a smart person because I know what day it is. Anyway, I'm Kat Jones, your host. I don't know if I said that yet. And I am here with my bro and sound producer, Mick G. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, he might. Ted Cruz is a zombie. No, wait. Vampire? Sorry, Ted Cruz. I don't know what you are. You're a person. Um, So, yes, today we have... The Zodiac Killer here in the studio with us. How would you like to be introduced, Mr. Zodiac Killer? Um, nope, he's he he's gonna kill me. So I'm going to move on to our social media, social meds. Um, if you would like to like our Facebook page, we are Queer All Year. Might also be Queer All Year podcast. Sometimes it's interchangeable. Um, if you would like to join our Facebook group, if I haven't scared you away with my just ridiculousness today that is queer all year fam queer all year podcast fam they are also interchangeable for some reason you can find us on twitter and instagram at queer all year pod you can find us on patreon also queer all year pod at the five dollar level you will get more insanity from me as always because i am incapable of anything else and um, that will include things like um, my weird diatribe on um, UK homosexuality laws going back to Edward the... Edward the second? Yes? Yavol? Yeah. Um, I believe Edward the second. And um, what else? We had something else that we were going to put out there recently. It was ridiculous. Uh, some, there was some one about punk rock. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I went on a weird rant about the history of the word punk. And then there's a Downton Abbey one. There's a Downton Abbey one, you guys. It's really Is it really good? Because I feel like it was really good. Yeah, it is, it's definitely one of the better things we have. It's like the first thing I ever recorded. I got home from seeing the Downton Abbey movie, and I just came straight down here, and I was like, I'm going to talk about Thomas's storyline. So that's what it is. Ooh, you guys, go, go out to Patreon. I want to go listen to it. Anyway, so if you are as excited about ridiculous things like that as we are, um, you can help us out by subscribing and rating on whatever podcatcher you use. Uh, Five-star ratings help us out a lot. They boost us up in, in the ratings, in the rankings, and then more people will get to hear whatever comes out of my mouth. And more people will learn about queer history, hopefully. And if they don't want to learn and they just want to give us bad reviews, then we get to blast them. So let's blast some people. All right. So what we're talking about today is an executive order. Actually, there are two executive orders. The uh, Minnesota Anti-Discrimination Executive Order 95-4 and 95-4. Nope, 91-4 and 91-5. Ha. That doesn't mean anything to any of you anyways. (laughs) I don't know why I put these things in. Anyway, in 1991, Minnesota Governor Arne Carlson? It's A-R-N-E. Arne. 
signed Executive Order 91-4, barring discrimination in state government on the basis of sexual or affectional preference. And the same day, he signed Executive Order 91-5, providing for non-discrimination in state government of individuals because of acquired immune deficiency syndrome, AIDS. So that was pretty ahead of the curve, I think. I have a lot of trouble out there looking to see like the history of anti-discrimination laws for for people with AIDS that's you go out there and you google that and you get like books and I like I'll I'll read books I have books that I'm reading but I don't have time to like I just want this little information was Minnesota among the first no you you got to read like four books to get that so when I have read those four books, I will provide everyone with a timeline of every single anti-discrimination law ever passed, ever. McGee says no. <laughs> he says absolutely no. Um, well, so anyway, Minnesota is often lauded as being ahead of the curve in terms of equality. They were the first state to ban discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Most places were still just doing sexual orientation. Most places are still just doing sexual orientation. Who are we? Who are we joking? Um, and they legalized marriage equality two years before the Supreme Court forced the federal government to get on board with that. Um, that's not to say that Minnesota has won the fight, though. We are all still fighting, and Minnesota, let us talk about this guy. Y'all need to vote out of office. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. I did not do him the honor of looking up how to pronounce that last name because he is insanity. Um, so this isn't a Today in History segment anymore. It has turned into just a tangent I got thrown onto while I was researching Minnesota for a bit. Um, I'm going to call this a slightly stale current events segment. So Paul Gazelka, Gazelka is a very confused individual who is so personally insignificant that his Wikipedia page doesn't even have the day he was born. It just says October 1959, but so politically significant that he was able to kill a bill that would have banned conversion therapy in Minnesota. So he's a confused and confusing person. Um, I think he actually might be the author of his own Wikipedia page because it's just... It just sings his praises about everything he's done. He was, he served on a school board and he volunteers with all these charities and he worked for State Farm for a while, but I guess now he owns his own insurance company, but I looked it up and it's, it's just State Farm, but with his name on it. And so I don't know, like if you open a franchise, like a State Farm franchise, they just let you put your name on it or something like that's very nice of them. Um, I used to work for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they would have dropped the hammer on me in an instant if I tried to franchise that out. You know, like, you can't just take a brand and then go... I mean, I developed and maintained a charity brand on my own, and that is not something I would ever let anyone run away with. So, I, I, stay, I don't know how State Farm does business, but apparently you get to name your State Farm business your own business. Um, oh, and uh, he's apparently also an author of something else that isn't his Wikipedia page, which um, I will get to. 
none of the links on his Wikipedia page go directly to the source, by the way. They all go to interviews or lists of his achievements that you have to wade through in order to conform confirm the info that you're looking for. So, for instance, the author citation I'm talking about links to an interview with Star Tribune, which I can't figure out. It, it seems to be Minnesota-specific. I'm not sure if it's a newspaper or a periodical or a just a media outlet. It's an interview with them, and it's basically just a fluff piece. And so the thing he's the author of which you had to wade through this to find, is a book, a memoir, called Marketplace Ministers. And it is the fluffiest, most self-congratulatory fluff piece I think I've ever read. Uh, Marketplace Ministers, rather than being about clergy who sell salvation, like it sounds like, is actually about um, reconciling having Christian beliefs and still having to live in the real world. So, uh, like, I think part of it was like, you know, how do you... I couldn't reconcile very well how I was going to work with these coworkers who had things that I didn't believe in. And I was like, well, that's just being a, a, an adult, honey. Like, you got to go to work, and you're not always going to get along. But... Um, He's got a great story about having to go to Paris for a conference or something, and one of the meals was at the Moulin Rouge, which is so cool, but he and his wife were, like, just horrified at the thought, and he called ahead to make sure that there wouldn't be any topless women there, and the Moulin Rouge apparently said, no, they come out after dessert, which is, like, my favorite thing. <laughs> no, the topless women, they don't come out until after dessert. This is, uh, oh my god, I love it. But um, when they got there, he and his wife had uh, agreed to just, um, you know, have the business dinner and everything, eat dessert really fast, and then run out before they had to see the sin that is boobs. And um, But it turned out that it wasn't that the women came out after dinner it was or after dessert it was they were serving dessert and he was apparently horrified like the way he described it just i just see him just like sitting there like a cartoon character like little drip of sweat falling down his face and his wife's all like staring down and her face is getting all horribly red and then they both just kind of like slide backward out the door because that's actually kind of what they did they just kind of like quietly got up and left and i'm like boy this is a you mm, this is a, a stance to take i guess they okay whatever it's the moulin rouge but okay um so in 2010 he used a very petty scandal surrounding the state's only openly gay republican to rocket himself into the legislature where he continues to work to turn Minnesota into a Christian nation unto itself. Or that's how it seems anyway. He had a lot of fun just like grabbing that guy and using him to swing himself up into the position he's in. It, it's horrible. And he doesn't need to act 
holier than thou because he is holier than thou. I don't care how holy you are. He's holier. He, the way he talks about his faith makes Jesus sound like a sinner. And I, I guess the point is that Jesus, did Jesus have sin? Is that what, no? He was born without sin. He, yeah. Boy, this is a, this is now the heathen cast. Um, whatever. He's, he's holier than Jesus. So, recently in November, I guess that's not recent, he gave uh, an interview, um, I guess a video interview online with a televangelist, and he managed to say some stuff that's pretty mind-blowing. It's just now getting exposure because a newspaper recently wrote a story about it. So he said it back in November. I'm sure he still stands by it all. Um, but he said some nutty stuff. So um, here's here's the thing um, that he, he's um, taught me is that conversion therapy is actually really good. And it's seriously important because it's, it's therapy. You know, everybody needs some therapy sometimes. Like, especially gay people. Oh, dog. LGBT people have so much trauma. They need this therapy. I mean, they were all sexually abused and neglected as children. Like, Gazelka even has a story about how he met a gay guy this one time, and the guy had been raised without a father, which proves that lacking a relationship with a parent of your sex makes you all lopsided and confused inside. It's like you're not you're not attracted to guys you were just raised by women and like so then your sexuality formed thinking it it was a woman i guess and that's why it it wants to be with men look the point is that you need to be taught how to be a man and that's what you need conversion therapy for and he also has some other insight into things that make us queer like sexual abuse and childhood neglect general bad parenting Anything that isn't spending your entire childhood in a room containing nothing but a Bible and occasionally getting to leave to go to church. Uh, an article titled, Minnesota Senate Leader, Sexual Assault, Bad Parenting Make People Gay by the Advocate's Copy Chief Trudy Ring really helps illustrate this part of his whole theory. And that title should serve as a trigger warning. Um, this isn't horrible. But, I mean, you know, trigger warning for sexual assault, bad parenting, make people gay. Okay, so, that having been said, the senator, a Republican, recalled hearing the story of, quote, a lady that was a lesbian and a counselor said, before you judge her, let me just tell you her backstory. He said she was chained to a toilet as a, like, two, three, four, five-year-old girl and raped by her dad for years and years. How do you think she's going to feel? In other words, he's trying to get you to realize that there's a deeper backstory. And if you understand that, you can love them while you're bringing truth and trying to help them. End quote. And that pause between your and bringing is literally written into the quote. I didn't listen to it because I didn't want to give it play counts, but it's written into the quote and I find it hilarious because he just could not like... You love them while you're... <clears throat> fixing them you know that's clearly what he was wanting something like that um so yeah either you had a bad relationship with a parent of your sex or you were horribly abused with that in mind let's hear from his child jenna they them pronouns who he sent to conversion therapy let me really hammer that into you 
This person sent his child to conversion therapy and continues to preach about how child abuse causes all non-straight identities. Does he not know what he said about himself? G um, Jenna said, there, uh, Jenna was sent there when their parents started suspecting some same-sex proclivities in them. They say it was absolute torture, and their experience sounds traumatizing enough that, using the central theory behind conversion therapy, anyone who goes through it must come out as the queerest human being mental illness could ever produce. So I don't know what is happening. <laughs> I just, I, I don't understand it. And basically, that is the story of the senator who is turning Minnesota into a little literal church and claims that child abuse causes gayness and everything and then sends his child to conversion therapy and doesn't understand that he's saying he abused his child. I... Hmm. Hey, Minnesota, um... If you've got elections coming up, think about just um, think about him a little bit. Um, so that's all I'm gonna spend on this massively influential politician, very scary person. Before I lose all control and turn this into a deep dive on his whole existence and the existence of whatever's happening in conversion therapy. So that is today's story. Is it a little short? Nope, I rambled on for quite a while. Woo! Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I hope you will join us in the fight against conversion therapy. So many places are striking down bills that would make it illegal to do on kids, and even the ones that have the bills, it doesn't apply to the churches and stuff. And it's like, okay, who do you think is doing it? Like, it's not... You know, a stranger on the street doesn't grab you and take you to conversion therapy. It's like you go, you, they take you to church, and the church does it. So, anyway, <laughs> please continue being angry about that with me so that we can change things because you are very important in history, and we love you.